Welcome to the CPA Advisory Show. I'm Jeremy Wells, and with me as always is my co-host, Chris Hervishon. Chris, how you doing? Best day ever. How are you, sir? Fantastic. I am doing especially well and super excited to have uh, a really interesting guest in the studio. All of our guests are interesting, but but today's guest really stood out to me. I uh, interacted with him a little while ago on Twitter and got bits and pieces of his background and story and said, this is somebody we got to bring onto the show because I need to grill him even more on this story. Super happy to have Aaron Davis in the studio with us. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Aaron spent the last 10 years providing uh, copyright admin services. Stick with me for a minute here. Uh, to some of the world's most notable musicians and songwriters. Uh, and uh, had some experiences with bookkeepers and accountants uh, that kept letting him down. And so he founded his own accounting firm, businessframe.com. So we're going to talk to him definitely about uh, that. But first, Aaron, welcome to the show. And and tell us, uh, give us a little bit of your background, especially how you, uh, first of all, got into the music biz, and then we'll, we'll transition into how that got you into the accounting business. Well, thanks so much, guys, for for inviting me to be here. And um yeah, it's a pleasure to be able to, to to be here. I've been a fan of you guys for a while, so I, I it's nice to to be in the hot seat. Um, so I was um, I was a rugby player. I was playing rugby, and I was playing rugby uh, all over the place. And I had gone. I was sort of at the the tail end of my career. Uh, I was thirty five, and I had been playing overseas and broke my leg. And when I came home, this woman that had was a was a friend of the team. She was a, a sort of an amateur photographer. I was living in L.A. at the time and uh, she was a photographer for the team. And she came around. She was sort of the first one to come around with a jar of beer. I was like, you know, welcome home. What's going on? And I'm like, enough loathing about me. Uh, you know, what are you doing? And she began to tell me about um, the challenges with managing copyright on YouTube. And she's like, if I see one more Miley Cyrus wrecking ball video, I'm going to do my head in. And I'm like, you know, what, what does that mean? I don't even, and I don't, I didn't understand. And so, um, the short story is that Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller wrote jailhouse rock. They were the composers of that song that's owned by a music publishing company. They gave that composition or that, that lyric, those lyrics and that, that song to Elvis, he recorded it. And that's owned by that master recording is owned by a record label. And then the Beatles and Motley Crue and Queen and a gazillion other people, they all covered that song. New master recordings, same underlying composition, same lyrics, same melody, same beat, um, two different copyrights. But the, and what, what was happening at the dawn of YouTube is that us three, we could record that song right now. We've created a new master recording same underlying or embedded composition as it were. And so the problem was, is that it wouldn't get picked up automatically by YouTube or by, by their internal systems, because we don't sound like Elvis. We didn't match their reference file. And so while we have may have uh, monetized that, that master recording to us globally, the underlying or embedded composition was going unattributed and unpaid. And when I realized this, this was, this was uh, 2013. When I realized this, I was like, gosh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of music being published on this platform. I think there might be some opportunity here to apply some software, for, uh, apply some, some service or, you know, some, some systems um, so that we might be able to firstly identify that media. And then once we've identified it, we will then be able to assert copyright and then account, collect any royalties at the end of the month, and then make sure they go to the right the right party. And so that was sort of the dawn of the company. Um, it's called Exploration.io, and um, it represents at this point, ten years later, a pretty significant swath of the music publishing industry across uh, the world. And um, yeah, and so it, it's just been an, an incredible ride to to be entrusted by these artists and by these labels and publishers and songwriters um, because we're literally, we're collecting their revenue and are, and are, and are being, um, being trusted to, to, to make sure that we pay that accurately and reliably every month. So um, you're making so sure that the people who originally composed these songs, you're, you're trying to help them from getting ripped off by people stealing that creative work online. Yeah, Is that... It, it, 
Yes. Okay. Yes. I to a lesser extent than someone proactively going and stealing it is that it's, it's erroneous data that's causing it to either not be collected in the first place, that there's no claim taking place, that spins are taking place. It's just not connected to the owner. And so there's that money is being held in escrow at okay. YouTube. It's not being paid out because they don't, they literally don't know where to pay it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're, so you're trying to take the person who, who should be collecting those funds, right. And, and finding out where they are. It's, it's like when people get a letter from the government saying, Hey, we've got this, you know, this investment or this insurance payout or something and it's uncollected funds. Right. And so we want to make sure that this money finds its way to the right person. Yeah. And so we're, you know, so we're, we're, we're cranking along, you know, we're, we're several, we're five years into this thing and it's cranking along and, uh, sort of separately from, um, and then we, we're going to get to the accounting part and then by, by the time we're done, but separately from, from copyright administration, I was buying a house a year. Uh, I was buying a rental house every year, trying to, um, and trying to do a deal to trade up with with a small real estate portfolio. I, I live in Nashville, and so this was on the outskirts of Nashville, and so that was kind of you know cranking along. And then um, completely separately, I had a, a home services company that was that you know had a subscription service, and there was trucks and guys out doing work and all this sort of thing. And so you know across these across these three companies, the administration, the, the garbage company, it was a, it was a local garbage co- company that I had started and, um, and the real estate, uh, I just consistently found myself underwhelmed and dissatisfied and basically and more or less confused by what was being conveyed by, um, by our accountants and by our CPA, mainly this, mainly it was the bookkeepers, not so much the accountants. So, I, you know, I'm scratching my head and I'm like, you know, they come, the bookkeeper comes to me and is like, Hey, this bill hasn't been paid. I'm like, okay, well let's pay it. You know, and it's like, okay, let's pay it. So like, well, who, who is it? Oh, it's us, the bookkeeper. And I'm like, you're not paying yourself. Like, how'd you let that one slip through the cracks? Um, and, and I'm, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, over here are uncategorized and untagged and sort of unattributed income sources and, expenses and line items and staff. And then what you're doing is you're in here in the middle and you're kind of, you're making sure that they go in the right buckets and you're tagging them as such and you're reconciling and you're connecting, you know, an income source to a bank or a expense to a bank. And I'm like, you know, and, and, and then you're, you're reporting and you're paying bills at the end of the month. And I'm like, that's a lot like YouTube and a, a music asset and we're making sure that it's tagged just so in the middle with this software that's sort of enterprise software that lives behind the scenes. And we're making sure that all that data is collated the way it should be. And then, and we're keeping a keen eye for the money because that, you know, at the end of the month, we need to pay out these royalties and we need to account like these things are really similar. And I, I think that in my experience in building this team with exploration, that if I, if I learn a little bit more about accounting uh, and, and understand what specifically is going into bookkeeping, then I, I probably could build this team to, to, to do bookkeeping as well. Um, and so that was, is about four years ago. It was really sort of the dawn of it, um, of, of what has become business frame um, is businessframe.com is the accounting bookkeeping company that I started. And originally it was specifically to, uh, to help just do the books of my my entities. It was all in-house. I hired a CPA that worked specifically with us and we began to do it. And she, you know, helped get exploration, you know, helping to advise there and the garbage company, we're going to get that ready. And then, you know, your real estate, we're, that's going to be tied up with a bow. Um, and then, um, does that make sense so far? Is my, is my, is my timeline on? Okay. Um, yeah, and so then, um, so then the 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 garbage company, you know, I, there was an opportunity to raise a fund, and so we were in the process of raising a fund uh, to acquire music rights, 
And I'm, you know, I, I quickly realized that, you know, this is where I should be spending my time as fun as it is. And as, as interesting as it is to own a, a, a garbage company, I got a kick out of it. Honestly, it, you know, it was like hydraulics and diesel and the guys were kind of rough around the edges, but they're good eggs and they, you know, the community love them. And it was, it was, you know, it, it connected me with my community. I didn't really know that many people when I lived here. And so it kind of connected me with them in an interesting way that, um, but that's not probably where I should be spending my time. And I decided that I needed to prepare this business for sale. And so um, the accounting company helped me package that up. Um, and we put together a packet that explained, here's what the business is. Here's the metrics that you need to be paying attention to and our PL and our cash flow and our balance sheet and the various items that go into the analysis of a business. Um, in addition to um, leases and, and zoning and, and permits and, 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 you know, contracts with vendors and this sort of thing and putting that all together. And I made that business available for sale and we sold it relatively quickly and, it was interesting. And through the, through the course of the sale, you know, a couple of the brokers, they're like, you know, what brokerage firm are you with? Or, you know, where'd you get this packet? Where'd you get this, this, this thing? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm the principal, but I, I put the thing together myself. And they're like, this is actually a whole thing. Like you could sell this. <laughs> that's, that's all I need is another business. But it just kind of perked my ears up a little bit. Like it was just like, okay, three or four people out of this group of 50 in potential investors, have said, you know, hey, I, this this packet that you've got is really great. And it just kind of perked my ears up a little bit. Fast forward a little bit more. Uh, that was in December of 22, that company sold. Meanwhile, uh, Business Frame is exclusively my entity so far. Uh, and then um, a couple people, you know, as, it, as I started to sort of talk about it a little bit, a couple small businesses that were friends from college or, you know, that I knew around and needed help with their books. And we began to help them out, uh, you know, on a recurring basis to process payroll, run their, you know, do, do their books, AP, AR, what have you, clean up books. And then, um, and then we got this, this outfit, um, publicly traded company in Canada um, was going through an audit and their accounting company just basically vaporized. They just like sort of fell off the face of the earth. And this guy that I knew, he was like, hey, can you help give, we've hired this, this firm to do some of the work, but there's a ton of like organizational, like collating and, 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 and just collecting and compiling that needs to be done. Just basically audit support for the, while we're going through this audit, can you help do that? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let, let's give it a shot. And that was, uh, very interesting and crazy. Um, it's it's amazing how just the lack of controls. You know, a lot of times I think you know, at least in my mind, before this experience, you think of a publicly traded company that or any company that they're gonna they're gonna have their ducks in a row, and um, they did not. And so, sort of witnessing that is bringing us to current day. And so witnessing that and realizing what there's, you know, how this business is, is being operated and, and how it, how, how maybe it shouldn't be uh, or where there was areas to improve and, and things that could be done differently to get a better result. Um, and the experience in sort of packaging up the garbage company for sale became the catalyst to what is proven to be the most, you know, sort of the most exciting for us at, at business frame which is catalog valuations. And so part of the work that we do at the fund in analysis of catalogs or uh, and, and whether or not we want to do a deal, in, in addition to clients at exploration that are positioning themselves for a divestment or for some sort of sale or for lending and, and, and a variety of other things have said, hey, I think you guys are uniquely able to, you know, this audit that you're putting together, this valuation, this package that you're putting together, is is really valuable and it's very it's very very niche um, and there's not a lot of people that do it that understand both the finance side and music copyright side and so 
um, that has proven to be really exciting for us. And this sort of, you know, that's sort of the, the primary thrust of what we're doing at the accounting company today. Very cool. There's, <laughs> there, there's, there. a, there's a lot there. So, but I want to take you back a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. Uh, the first thing you said that really picked sure. my ears up was, was you said that uh, dealing with the bookkeeper or bookkeepers was confusing. And then you said some examples of how that works. And a lot of that, a lot of those examples we would classify as like quality control type of issues, right? On, on our end anyway. Yep. And then you said the accountant, not confusing. So I wonder if you can help us unpack that a little bit more. Like what was like, what, in addition to some of like the quality control type stuff, like what was confusing about the way that the bookkeepers communicated and what was different about the accountants and how did they communicate in a way that was you know, helpful to you as, as a business owner? Well, there's a, there's a multitude of things. One is, is rigidity. Um, so, you know, when we first started on with one of the, one of the bookkeepers, it was like, Hey, look, um, we pay all our staff via Gusto and we don't have any clients or vendors named Gusto other than Gusto. Might we want to put in a rule so that it automatically is classifying this thing as it's coming in? And they're like, we don't do rules. It has to, you know, it, 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 it'll, we'll, we'll claim the wrong thing. It'll go in the wrong bucket. You won't know. And, and we don't want to be responsible. Is that, for that. serious? And it's, like, and it's like, really? Are you sure? You, is that, are you sure that's your position? Because that, it, it seems like you have a higher probability of making the mistake than there's no one else named Gusto. So, and then on the other hand, and this was a young company, like these were young, yeah, not, I mean, they were young, but they were like, whereas my CPA, he's a little bit older. And I would sit down with him and say, Hey, I've got this question about this thing. How does, how does this depreciation work? Or how do, you know, what is it, you know, what is a cost set? You know, what is that about? Or, you know, how does this work for the real estate? And he's like, you know, I'm not really sure, but let me, let me dig in and I'm going to, and I'm going to get back to you. And so that was a key that was as I'm reflecting on it now, that was key is one of them was like, no, that we don't do that. And what that tells me is that I, I don't know how to do that. And I'm not, and I'm not willing to figure it out. And so that was the first thing. And then on the other side is the accountant being willing, you know, being straightforward and, and being transparent to say, Hey, I'm not sure. Let me, I'm going to go to the drawing board. We're going to go back in the lab for a minute and we're going to come back. And, and I'm going to have some ideas for you to think about. So let me, let me, let me push on that a little bit, right? Because, it, you know, if I'm in the position of that bookkeeper, right, maybe instead of saying, no, we don't do it that way. If I would have, if I would have said to you, that's an interesting idea. I appreciate that. Let me talk to my staff. Let me look into it. Let me see what it would take to set up that rule. See if that's the best way to go about it. Would that have produced a different response from you would you have appreciated that kind of response differently so it's not necessarily that you have to back down from your standard operating procedures right it's not like it's fine if you want to say in your firm we don't do bankrolls that's fine but you don't have to tell the customer that right you don't have to go to the customer and say oh no we can't do it that way right like produce a response to the customer that seems a little bit more amenable that seems a little bit more open-minded it, 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 it you know it's like hey look you know we we have staff that are overseas I found this, I found this, you know, there was, I was on the email distribution for Gusto. They wrote the other day, it was last week, I think. They wrote, they said, you know, we're doing international payments now. Sign up, I'll get on the waiting list. And you fire it off. And if their response is, you know, we don't handle anything international. And it's like, okay, okay I, are you sure? Because I think it's the same interface as the other thing, right? It's, you're not being, you don't need to move to, London in yeah. order to do this. D just think know, about how it's going to feel to receive that message, right. right? Like it, it, right. if you received that message, would that put you in a place of like, okay, this person seems like they're looking out for me. And even though this might be, it, it might be more straightforward than this. Like I at least appreciate the way they're going about it or looking into it as opposed to just this hard. No, we can't do it. Or no, we won't do it that way. Yeah. It, it's like, okay. The, 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 the immediate thing I think when, if you say no, I, I'm like, what else are you saying no to that you're not willing to even talk to me about, right? Like, I mean, there's probably a good reason why you don't do it. And if we talked about it, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool, you know? But if not, then I'm like, okay, well, well let me find somebody that's at least, least willing to talk about it. Nobody, especially an entrepreneur, they don't want to be told no. Like, 
you know, now you've like given me fuel to like really go out of the other way because I, it's just, it just doesn't feel good. And it was, it was also unceremonious. So same bookkeeper, same issue. Six months later, a new person has come on to help, you know, advise or whatever. They're like, Hey, Aaron, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? What's going on? You know, what's on your mind? I'm new. I want to kind of get the breakdown. Let's get to know each other. And I say, you know, and I, I bring this up. I'm like, um, I think it would probably be a good idea. It, it would save, it would reduce a ton of risk and it would help to surface items that truly need our human attention if we implemented rules or at least considered it. I know that's not your, you know, you guys have told me this before, but I want you to reconsider it because I think this is a good idea. And she's in the woman that had been the bookkeeper. She's like, Oh yeah, we implemented them. I'm like, you told me you didn't do it. You guys just didn't do this. And she's like, Oh yeah, yeah, we figured it out. We saw this webinar. We learned that it was actually something that was really good. And we figured it out. And I'm like, that's great. It would have been great to know that. Right. It would have been really good to know that you, 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 this thing that I felt like that was important that you told me no about that you actually did implement it sometime later. And, and here we are. So thank you. So now there's not only inconsistency, but there's also failure to communicate. Right. Combined. And and you're, and you're touching my book. You're, you're, you're literally touching the money. So at what, at what point in this did you say, I can no longer trust these people. Right. Cause that, that had to be like, maybe not after the, maybe not after the hard no, but now at this point, right. Like that's got to start brewing. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when, when I realized that there was, you know, they were like, Hey, we're, you know, we didn't pay ourselves and I'm like, well, okay, let's pay yourself. And then, you know, what, what's it cost to do this? You know, what is the fee associated with this rental house? Because it's got a mortgage that's on automatic bill pay. I pay the taxes once a year and I've got a long-term tenant. So, and I'm not doing any maintenance or anything. It's kind of running over there by itself. Tenant's good. There's no, you know, there's not a lot. Tenant's got all the utilities. I appreciate, you know, and this is a modest rental house. There's not a lot of profit there. How much are you charging? And it was way more than it should have been. And I was like, why is that? You know, that that's the same fee that I have over here with this other company. That's got 40 people working for it and 500 clients and the whole thing. What's up? What's up with that? That's just what we do. And I was like, okay, let's pause that. Let's stop doing all of that. And, and, you know, and then, Let's just put a pause on it and we're going to keep over here for the time being. And as quickly as I possibly could, I went, I hired a CPA to like, okay, we, we gotta, I can't do this anymore. This is crazy. Got it. Okay. So at this point you, you've said, okay, to tag with this, how, how do we get from there to, I'm just going to go start my own firm? Well, I mean, at first it wasn't a firm. It was like, let me just hire a person. Let me just find someone. Okay. Um, I completely remote was fine with me. Exploration is completely remote. Uh, it was originally built to be a remote company uh, when I, you know, at Exploration, and um, that's the music company. So I was fine with them being remote, and I I took some QuickBooks classes myself. I began to learn, you know, I'm, I'm diving in, trying to uncover things for myself. And granted, my stuff was super simple. There was, you know, like literally a single rental house um, at that time. And, um, it, you know, starting to get that cleaned up. But I basically, I, the way I hired was, I, it was like one month. I, I said, hey, here's one month of expenses. And, and it was sort of disorganized, you know, it was, it was raw. It was like, what would you do with this? I'm going to pay you 150 bucks to just tell like, I was basically paying them to interview them. And, but I wanted them, the reason why I paid them is because I, I, I realized that if you're gigging and you're looking for work, you're putting out lots of bids. And if I pay you, you're actually going to treat this, not like a bid that you probably most likely will not get right. If you only get, 10% 10% of your, your, your outreach or lead gen, I expect it's normal for me to not get nine. And so I didn't want to be part of that nine just because there wasn't a fit. 
I wanted them to treat it like it was a real gig. And so let me pay them a modest amount for them to do some analysis on a month's worth of expenses. And I've got, again, it's like six, five or six expenses, you know, that recur and it's like very simple. What would you do with this? And then based on their response and the, the sort of the completeness of the work and their, their sort of the, how the flavor in which they presented that back to me, did they send me an email with no context? Was it in some, did they send me QBO file? Was it in, in the body of the, like, how, how are they communicating with me? And, and to what, because of communication, I was just so lacking. I was so, my previous relationship was just so devoid of that. Um, I judged them on it. And, um, and then uh, I ended up hiring one gal that has been terrific. And as she began to get things cleaned up and onto the next entity of mine, to get it cleaned up. She's like, Hey, uh, I overheard you and Dan talking about his elevator company. Um, I think there might be an opportunity for us to help him. And it's like, okay, Hey, do, you know, do you want us to do this for you? We'll do a pro bono. I just, you know, you get what you pay for, but we'll help you, you know, we'll help you get it sorted out. And, but immediately, it, you know, he's talking to six friends. And then there was a lady in, in out in Santa Fe that does really cool art, big art, you know, installations and stuff. And she's got a couple maintenance gigs and it was like, Hey, can we help you? And now she's telling her network and it really, really quickly was like, Hey, I, I think we can actually charge here. Let's sign up on ignition. Let's crack, let's, let's crank this thing up. Let's get ignition going. Let's get carbon. Let's let's, what does it mean to, to build a practice? I reached out to Poe group advisory. I'm talking to them about, you know, how do we, how do, you know, what does it mean to, to, to acquire a practice? Uh, you know, uh, Ryan uh, at, at, at uh, Future Firm and, um, and there's another, um, The Realize, you know, getting in that community and, and, and seeing those folks. And, and then I started to dive into, you know, tax Twitter and, 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 and uh, accounting Twitter and, and began to, and that's where we met. And it was like, you know, I just kind of went in head first, trying to learn as much as I can about, you know, what do I, what do I, what does it mean to do, to do this as a profession and, and, um, and how can I put my best foot forward? Hey, it's Chris. Thanks for tuning into the show. And we really hope you're enjoying it. If you like the show, please like, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you really like the show, please leave us a review and we'll read it on the air. If you have a service or an app that is tailored to accountants and you want to get in front of several hundred accounts that listen to this show every single week, send us an email at host at cpaadvisoryshow.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. I got to say, okay, so th this is this is super interesting. So let's let's go back to like how, so your, your problem <clears throat> as a business owner was I, I, I've got a bookkeeper working for me. I just don't understand. I don't trust what they're coming up with. And so you did exactly the opposite of what our value proposition is outsourced bookkeepers, accounting firms, this sort of thing is supposed to be, which is we take all that off of you, right? Like you don't have to worry about any of that. And you went the complete opposite direction, right? You brought it all in house. You said, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to go find somebody and hire somebody directly who's going to do this for me. And not only that, not only did you do that, not only did you bring all of that suppose you know the stuff that's supposed to be outsourced that's our value problem you brought it in-house but you then spun that up it seems like relatively quickly it was a time frame of like how that happened but you you spun that up into a, a business of its own uh, it, what sounds like now you're starting to do this kind of work for others so you went from i'm outsourcing my bookkeeping to i don't want to do this anymore i'm going to in-house it to now i've just built my own bookkeeping business essentially like what's the time frame of all that uh, it was a couple years. It was okay. a couple years. Probably it was probably well, uh, three. It was probably pre-COVID. So now, I mean, gosh, COVID. Uh, it, it'll be four years in March. Can you believe that? Um, uh, yeah. So it was right at sort of the end of nineteen. It was the end of nineteen. I'd bought another. I'd bought another uh, a multifamily property, which had a had a handful of tenants, and I had the one rental. And I was just so disenchanted with, with, with the folks that we were using. And I, 
I, you know, when I was out in LA, when I was in California, there was a guy that I knew that was giving us a hand and I was always leaving the office kind of scratching my head. And then when I moved here uh, to Tennessee, I was like, Hey, you know, we're actually operating at sort of a higher scale. Now we're going to go to this sort of white shoe firm, big firm in downtown. They had the whole dog and pony show. We met partners and all this stuff. But then the service was just really lackluster. It was completely predicated on on uh, on communication. They just weren't following through with doing what they said they were going to do, letting us know proactively what was going to happen, what was coming down the pipe. And it's like, how do I know about this stuff? That's not what I do. In 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 my world, in in the copyright world, if if there's a a, a law that changes that affects copyright, you're going to hear it from me. You know what I mean? You're not going to, you're not going to tell me about it, you know? And so when they were coming back to me, it was like, Hey, I, 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 I this, this law changed. What's the deal? And they're, Oh, okay. Thanks for letting us know about that. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Is, 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 do you have any feedback for me or anything? Or, you know, it was like, so we left, we left the, the big white shoe firm and we went to a smaller shop you know, smaller, much smaller outfit. And uh, at the beginning, it was the principal that was doing, that had her hands on the books and she was great and she was terrific. But as she grew quickly, she filled in the blanks with people that were not very good. And, you know, I mean, staffing, you know, and now we're into COVID and, you know, it's like, who knows what's going on in the world? Everybody's gone home. People are trying to figure it out. Um, And, and just couldn't seem to to have adequate staff, I think. And and just and she, I think it was maybe a function of training and or lack thereof and protocols. Um, anything that's going to help them, whether it's EOS or any sort of protocol that's going to help them manage that business, her business, such that we had a product that we could rely on. And it was just, it was just com- consistently underwhelming. It was like. 71% done and the rest of it's like, well, shit, you know, pardon my French, but it's like, well, what about this other part? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. We, we deal with that in the accounting industry a lot. And we've talked to a lot of guests on this show about that. And we, uh, you know, I, I know Chris and I share a fairly similar circle. So I know we're talking to a lot of the same people and we talk to them about it too, but there's, you know, if you, I don't know if you've read Michael Gerber's e-myth, but he talks about the three different personalities that you have in a business and, and for a small business where it's just the owner, they have to be all three personalities. They have to be the technician, the person actually doing the work. They have to be the entrepreneur, the person leading the business and having the vision for the future of the business. And then you got to be the manager, the person that's trying to hold it all together. Right. And, and it, it's, it's tough when you're the accountant and you want to do the bookkeeping or you want to do the tax returns or you want to run the payroll. It's hard to, to turn that switch off and go into manager mode or even go into entrepreneur mode. Right. And especially when you start to scale beyond that, right. When you bring on that first employee, well, if you're the person that's been doing the bookkeeping all along, or you're the person that's been doing tax returns all along and you go hire somebody, but you haven't built the systems, you haven't built the SOPs, you haven't put the documentation in place. Well, n- now you're you're assigning client work to that new hire, but they don't know what they're doing, right? They might technically know how to prepare a tax return or how to do booking, but they don't know how to do it in that firm. They don't know how to do it for those clients, right? And so, yeah, things things can tend to fall apart uh, pretty quickly there. And you're right, there's there's a huge dip in the level of customer service when the owner is the one that's been doing all that work for so long. And so they're the most invested in it, right? Because that's why they built their business. And then now suddenly, um, you know, you, you've got, you've got staff that, you know, and it's not necessarily the staff's fault, right? Like they're doing the best they can, but they just yeah. were brought into a system. Yeah. I'm consistently surprised at how, um, at what is deemed appropriate as far as communication and cadence and, materials and this sort of thing, you know, or like, you know, for a, for an accountant to send the client as per my last email, send me the things that's not, that's not how you talk to your client. Right. But some people, you know, they write that and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. We're going to, we're going to send this out. It's like, no, no, that's not good. That's not a good way to do it. There's a, there, there, I mean, it is a way it's not necessarily, you know, it's not, 
it's not the way that I would choose. I think that there's a well. Let's let's dig into that because like this this yeah. is this is where I think you know because you're you're still fresh enough, right? Of of being a business owner trying to deal with an accounting firm. So you know what is it from the business owner's side? And, and you know we obviously communication is a big one, but but you're starting to hit on something a little bit a little bit different here because you know one is the the actual keeping up with things that are going on in the world, right? Like, are you keeping me up to date on tax law changes? Now you're talking about something that's a little bit different, just the general tone, right? Like, what is the tone of our communication? How are you communicating with me? How are you phrasing things? So, so what, what's happening there? And, and, you know, let's start getting a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe positive and proactive, right? Like what, what's happening, what's different now, you know, if, if I were to come to your accounting firm, how are you doing things differently from the one from the experiences that you had before? Nick Siegel was a manager of mine when I was right out of college. And he, one of the things I'll never forget that he taught me was um, if there's any doubt that you should disclose something, there should be no doubt that you should disclose it. And so that flavors a lot of what, how we approach customer service, that if, if there's any doubt in my mind about whether or not I should convey this information, I'm going to convey the information. I love the no update update, wherein I'm able to say, hey, look, this thing is on my list. I see you. I know that you're there. It's on my list. I'm going to get to it. We haven't gotten to it yet. I don't have any any news ahead, but, I'm, but, but it's a no update update. That if I can convey that proactively to my clients, it I think I feel like at the end of the day in business and in life, we, we just want to know it's going to be OK. That's all we want to really when it all is said and done. Is it going to be all right? And if I've hired an accounting firm, if I've hired business frame to to manage my books or to help me with this audit or to value this catalog, prepare this business for sale. I want to know that having paid that money to you, that it's going to be OK that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And so if I can get information that lets me know, one, that I'm paying attention to the industry, macro stuff, two, I'm paying attention to micro stuff that specifically is going to be addressed to me. We've got a cadence. I know when to expect it. I know that, you know, on the 15th of the month, I'm going to get a report that's got my my KPIs and my, my end of the month, you know, financials so that I can make business decisions. I know that every month, my investors, my stakeholders, my wife, my husband, whatever, whoever that is, I know that I can expect that every month. And here's the things that it's going to have. And I know for sure that if it doesn't, if there's anything that might hold it up, I'm going to be told that too. Not after the fact. I'm going to be, I'm going to be no, notified proactively. Another thing that I think that, that would, like used to just make me bananas was it was like, hey, we didn't have uh, document number three out of five so we didn't do anything and it was like why didn't you fill in documents one two and four and five well, and, and, and i think that it's such a there's such a wasted opportunity i kind of a lot of times i think about in in terms of our cadence and our in our in our you know our correspondence with clients and with vendors and and, and everyone else is it's kind of like tennis where i know that if if the ball is on the other side of the court, my job is done. So when the ball comes over to my side, I'm going to go triple time to make sure my stuff and the things that are being obligated for me to do are completed as quickly and as efficiently as possible. And then if there's an additional document request, I need more information. I need to meet with this person that that request goes out. And once it's out there, I, now I'm waiting on them. I don't want that ball to be waiting on our side. And I think that's important, not only in customer service, but also in biz dev. Like if somebody's like, hey, can you give me a one sheet of your services or can I get a contract or can I don't make money wait, like get it done and get it back to them and let it be on their side of the court. So I'm interested in a very specific kind of situation that comes up in our business. And you said that you use carbon, correct? Same here. And one of the things I really like about carbon is you get these you can, you can set these automatic notifications. Like if there's something that's waiting on the customer, they got a checklist, they've got to complete documents, whatever it is, they'll get automatic notifications. One of the things that we get all the time is, hey, where's my tax return? And it's like, well, 
you've completed precisely 0% of the checklist. We haven't done of your documents. Like that's where your tax return is, right? So in the context of what you're saying, which is super interesting, I'm wondering, and especially coming from somebody who's a business owner first, and then an accountant running an accounting firm second, like what's the appropriate way to communicate that? Like what are the tips that you would give the listeners out there on how to deal with situations like that, where it's like, it's really waiting on the customer. It's been waiting on the customer and you've notified them, but still, you know, the customers wonder where there's stuff. We go back to music really briefly and sort of where we sort of started with this. Um, our first client, Lee Silver, wrote half of Short Shorts. It was sung by the Royal Teens in the 50s. We wear short shorts. You know that song? That was our very first client. And we signed them and we were so excited. We, you know, we had been grinding away trying to get somebody to, to let us help them. And then they finally signed up. And a month went by, and then another couple months went by, and I'm like, you know, where are our riches? And I'm like, you know, I'm like knocking on Renee's door, and I'm like, hey, you know, how much money have we made? She's like, nothing. And I'm like, why? Why? We just signed this, you know, this is a hit, you know, short shorts, that's a hit. And he's like, well, they haven't delivered their, they haven't delivered their data, they haven't delivered their copyrights. And I'm like, well, okay, um, why don't we go get it? And it's like, well, you know, normally that's not the way it's done. You know, normally they deliver the copyrights and then we do our job over here. And I'm like, well, no, let's go over there. Let's, let's schedule a time. Let's go over there because once we get that information, we're going to be off to the races. We're going to be able to do whatever we need to do, but we got to go get that information first. And so we actually, we began and still we'll schedule a time to meet with them. It used to be in person. Now we can do it online a lot of it, but we, we meet with them. And in like schedule a time, like, here's what we're going to do in this time. You need to get those boxes out, whatever it is, we're going to, we're coming and we're going to get this stuff. And we're, you know, in order for us to do our job. And then it became a really frank conversation. You know, it was really quite frank. And it was like, look, um, you've paid us. I mean, in that instance that we, we were operated on commission. So, you know, we didn't get paid unless we began to collect stuff, but with the accounting now, it's a very direct and frank conversation that's like, hey, look, you've already paid us and we need to, we're going to cancel the contract with you if you're not going to follow through and deliver us the stuff. We got to get this information and data in order for us to be of service to you. And if not, then you shouldn't hire us if you're not going to follow through. And, I, and it, it's a, um, it's interesting because it's so I feel like it's such a reactive way to operate as a business owner. It's such a reactive way to operate that the, 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 the way to do it is to get ahead of it. And so at the end of the year, you're able to get that stuff filed. You're in and out the door. You're able to get your loans, your you know personal financial statements. You're able to do all that stuff for planning um, as it's organized and delivered. Um, so I really feel like it's a, uh, it's a, at a minimum, a call, preferably in person, at least a Zoom, or at the at the worst, a uh, a call, and then least good is email, and maybe under that is text. But it's like, look, if you don't deliver your materials, I you, we can't work together. That's that that's one of the contingencies of us working together is for you to deliver this stuff on time. I, I we don't we, none of us have time or interest in me like. I mean, you're not saying this, of course, but you know, this is how I feel about it. We're not, we're all adults here. We're not going to chase you down to try and get this information. Um, yeah, it's, it's just not a, it's not tenable. I don't think. I do want to switch gears a little bit because you said something interesting a little while ago and you mentioned like an investor deck, right? When you're, for when you're selling a business and it's something that you packaged up and something that you created and got really good feedback on. Uh, and I'm imagining that there are some listeners who are out there who are thinking like, holy cow, that's something that I could, that I could sell in my firm, right? Like what's hundred percent, what's it look like? What's the software that you use? How do you price it? How do you deliver it? Like all of the, give us all the things. I I will tell you right now, this is, if I, if I weren't doing what I'm doing right now, it can be completely over it. This is, I think is a incredible honeypot. For people out there that know their way around a um, that know their way around a a, a, a workbook, um, so the pools are all over the park, right? The, the the first one I'd say is go to biz by biz by sell. 
that that exchange and there's some others out there um um there, there's a handful uh that are loopnet is the one that i i jump on every now and then yeah. but, but you're talking yeah, about these websites right. where you see businesses listed for sale that kind of thing right that's micro acquire right. that's, that's right. another good one marketplace you're over on you know you can you can find them on uh on on craigslist on loopnet a biz by sale has got a huge one you can sort it a variety of ways there's some smaller ones like acquire.com that are selling like little SaaS and different little things. Um, and, and, and acquire.com is actually, they've sort of productized this a little bit, but most of the businesses that are on there for sale are being sold by a operator that really is ill. It doesn't have brokerage experience or a broker who, you know, business brokerage is a tough gig. It, you, these businesses are all so bespoke and so unique it, business brokerage as a, as a business, I feel like is a, is a, is a very tough gig. I have a ton of admiration for a lot of those guys and girls that are doing it. But um, like in any business, you're going to have a sort of an 80, 20, right? Where 20% of those producers are, are getting the lion's share of the business. And so there's a whole slew of folks just like in real estate that are brokers that don't know a basketball from a potato, right? And so there's an opportunity in the presentation that they've got when they're trying to present this business is just really subpar. They're missing information. It's not formatted as it should be. Um, it's just very disjointed. And, and, and as an investor or somebody that's looking at it, an acquirer, somebody looking for a tuck-in, another, you know, got retired, lady that has a bunch of money she's interested in buying this business they look at this and it's like okay this listing has got so many holes in it if this is the way that they're presenting it to sell it how must the rest of the business be and it's just like oh gosh it's just it gives you heartburn and so i, I feel like there's a huge honeypot in on these business brokerage listing sites or, or business listing websites and marketplaces as a lead list and I'd be on the phone to call them and say, Hey, look, I can put together a package for you that has been proven to be successful. Uh, it's going to help you get everything together in a way that is going to make sense. And then on the other side of it, whether you sell it or you don't, you're going to have all of the ducks in a row in order to do this, in order to know where is this thing and, and, and how does it work? And so it's going to include your PL, your balance sheet, your cash flow. Those are going to, color a um a projection uh it can be it can be rough but it needs to be realistic it needs to have a sensitivity table at the end which is a a a, a range of multiple so you know if in the garbage business it might be uh one times earnings one and a half times earnings 50 percent earnings i'm just saying for easy math sake or let's say let's say five times 10 times 15 times right and so um, a, a business that makes $100,000 a year might be valued at $500,000, a million, $1.5 million. And so that's a sensitivity table. All of this is obviously for easy math. But um, so it needs P&L, cash flow, balance sheet, projections with a sensitivity table that's sort of a range. Um, and then you're putting together a packet on the real estate. So you've got, you've got a, you've got your leases that's all bundled up and the particulars about the real estate, if you lease or if you own it, how, how, what's the term on that? You've got your key staff, you've got your contracts and the other things that are connected that help you run your business. What software tools am I using? What specialized tool? Do you have some sort of special widget that is only made in Akron, Ohio that you use and like, okay, well, what is that? How much does it cost? You know, what's the deal there with that provider? Putting that together, uh, a a ten minute video explaining what the business is and why it's being sold. That is just very high level, shot on an iPhone in the business that is being considered. Um, and then may, maybe there's some slides that you know that, that we've got a. We've got the collateral, the media collateral. There's a logo here and we've got, you know, some typefaces and we've got some other stuff that we use, you know, when we're producing merch or a, 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 a Facebook campaign or, and then 
you know, Facebook campaign. So what are, how are you growing the business? It, it, the growth is, is critical. And what are the channels there? What is the risk and what is the opportunity? So it's sort of a SWOT analysis in that way is like, you know, where, where's the opportunity and then where is the, and then where's the risk here? And, and I think it's really, I think it's a good idea to be straightforward with that and to, and to, to illuminate that stuff that to a, a potential acquirer is going to be relieving. It's like, okay, no business is all sunshine and roses. There is risk here. And the fact that they're disclosing this to me, it's going to make me want to do business with them. And so I, to package this up, I used uh, Google Sheets and Google Slide. And I recorded it and I made it a private video on YouTube that, you know, they read it. You know, they were able to see it if they had the link and um, and put all that together in a in a in a zip file and off it went. That's but I would I would charge I, I would start at five grand to do this for a business like a, a real business that's operating. I probably wouldn't look at businesses that were that were that were trying to sell themselves for less than about 500 grand. Um, and then I, I would, there's probably a sweet spot between like a million and 10 where to pay five or $10,000 for this is a, is a no brainer that they're going to, it's not even a quite, if I realize that you're capable of doing that, then yeah, I, I, I let me go ahead and get one. Okay. It's going to take four weeks. Fine. Here's Jill. She's going to give you all the data that you need. She's got it all. You're going to package it up. Easy win. My wife loves to look at Zillow and she'll send me listings of houses in town just to be like, Hey, look at this house. Isn't it cool? I like the kitchen. I like, you know, some aspect of it. And I've looked at these business sites and I've looked at, you know, LoopNet a lot, biz by sell, some of these things. And when you look at a Zillow listing compared to one of these business listings, you look at a Zillow listing for, you know, three, four, $500,000 and the amount of detail and you get 50 pictures and you get the address and you get the last 10 years of the, of the property tax history and you get what school district it's in. And, you know, you, you see every little feature and how everything was laid out and you get the floor plan, you get all this information for a three or $400,000 house. And then you go and you look at this one to two and a half million dollar business and you get yeah. you get you get three sentences and you get last year's top line revenue and cash flow to the owner and that's it and that's all you know about this business that's all that's listed about it hey. the, the the comparison right it's like because you know if you're trying to sell somebody a home this is probably going to be one of the biggest purchases they'll make in their life and they want to do the right thing and then this business you know and the, but then going to buy a business it just seems like the sale of the business from the perspective of these listings and the websites that are listing them, it's almost like an afterthought. It's like, Oh yeah, we got this business for sale. Right. It's like, why is there no time and energy put into this? Because it seems like this was somebody's career and livelihood for a while. And they worked really hard to build this up and now selling it is just sort of this like, eh, you know, take it or leave it kind of yeah, You see this, especially on Twitter all the time. It's like this, like the, the $7 trillion, the silver tsunami, all the boomers are dying off and they're going to leave their, their, these businesses to people. And they're completely ill-equipped to sell, you know, to, to put this stuff together. A lot of this stuff they don't, to, to be fair, and is, is that they don't know this stuff. It's so disorganized. It's on a, a, a legal pad taped, to the cash register or it's over here or it's, you know, the only, you know, logo that we've got is this old business card and it's still printed on there. And it's like, okay, well, let's digitize that. Let's get on, you know, let's digitize it. We're, I've got a guy that can do it. Let's, let's get it digitized. Let's get it in a packet. All your competitors, let's get them in a list. All of your, all of your suppliers, all your vendors, everybody that you're, you're currently working with, let's get it in a Google sheet with their name and the person that's there. What do you purchase there? What's their phone number? What's your account number? Let's just get it in a list so that if somebody is looking at this thing, they're going to, they're, they're going to have a really, they're going to understand it. And the other thing I think is important in putting this stuff together, I, I kind of, I, I feel like I stress this when we're putting, you know, for booking clients, for music clients, and then for this, it, this, this sort of packet idea is that the formatting matters that I, I feel like as my brain, if I'm looking at a, a, uh, an income summary or a, a workbook, financial workbook, and the 
the cash flow statement, everything is justified to the left and is an aerial 10. And then I jump over to the balance sheet and it's in Comic Sans, just center justified. I'm like, in, in, in any myriad of combination thereof, I, I, my brain has a hard time comparing apples to apples, that I'm too busy like being distracted by the fact that this stuff, it's like, who worked on this thing? Eight different people plus the dog. Wherein, if, if on the other hand, if everything is the same and it's all bolded at the top and you've got a header telling what the page is and that corresponds to the, the tab name at the bottom and then there's a subtitle giving a little bit more color and then everything is justified to the left and 10 point... If, if every page follows that same cadence and I'm able to click through, I don't ha I'm not distracted by anything other than the data that is being presented. And now I'm able, and I'm like, oh, okay, these guys are, you know, they're actually, they're, they're paying attention to this stuff. How you do anything is how you do everything. And all this stuff is uniform and is input and is collected. I, I'm, I'm you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. I feel like. Okay. So we're bumping up on time here pretty quick, but before we put a bow on just kind of this, it's been fun, man. absolutely, so likewise. Uh, but before we put a bow on that on that specific topic, obviously you need to have some conversations with the business owner to put something together like that. And one of the things that really stuck out was ten minute video. So how are you communicating all of these various things that the business owner needs to give you and all the the information that you need to get and collect? And how are those conversations going? And in particular, like how do you go to a business owner and say, hey, like give me a ten minute video? Like what does that look like? Because we're accountants, right? Like what are what are sure. we doing with that? I would, if I were doing this, if I were starting this today, I'd call, you know, these, these business owners, biz by sell, for instance, that's a great big one. And you can, you can sort it by location and different business type. Hey, your business, the way I would start is I'd call and say, Hey, your business listing is, you might be leaving some opportunity on the table. If this thing were packaged up a little bit differently and brought to market a different way, Mr. Business Owner, Ms. Business Owner, you know that there's a difference between a real estate listing that's got four fuzzy pictures that you can't quite tell versus one that's got 40 pictures in a drone shot, right? That makes sense to you, right? Okay, well, your business listing right now is presenting like that one with four fuzzy shots. And what I'm suggesting, and there might be an opportunity for you to really increase the value of this business just by the packaging of this, of this presentation. And so here's the things that I would put together for you. Bam, bam, bam. Included in that is it the video. And then I'd show them just a, a I'd show them a, a, a model. I'd show them a, a fictitious, a, a fictitious, you know, I, I would make a, a, a sample, an anonymous sample of like, here, here it is. And it's just me talking, I'm wrapping into, and it would be me talking about my fictitious business uh, about what it is. Hey, we're a garbage company on the outskirts of Nashville. We do this many thousand dollars a month. Um, we've got this many cans. We, this is where we take the garbage. This is the kind of truck we use. This is where we find staff. This is where the opportunity is. Roughly, this is how much it makes. It's selling it at this multiple. And this is what we're, if you got any questions, feel free to reach out to me. The reason why we're selling is we're going to be devoting ourselves to some other projects. Um, we're grateful for your interest. Thank you so much for considering us. That's it. That's all that's needed. And it lets for a business owner to convey to the market. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a little bit of vibe. It's like, okay, is this owner somebody that's real? Are they, are they actually real? Are they a real person or, or are, they, is, are they just sort of kicking the tires? Like, I don't know, something like roughly half of the businesses that go on these sites don't ever sell. And so I think there's an opportunity to, you know, say, like, okay, if you're serious about selling your business, how are you presenting that? And, 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 and I think that having a video allows a potential buyer an opportunity to really understand and learn a little bit more about that person and that business, right? We want to do business with people that we know. We do business with people, right? Um, and so I would put this in a list. Here's all the things that go into this. Here's a sample. And if you'd love to have one done, I'd love to, you know, a, a, you know, I'd love to, an opportunity to make it for you. It's going to take a month. This is, this is a unique approach to 
the so so in in accounting and we've talked about this a lot on the show yeah so sorry sorry to interrupt the the, the lead-in too and i think that i for cpas and bookkeepers is that if you can do this for a business as it sells on the other side of that you're going to be the very first call for a recurring revenue contract out into the future I I was about to say I for, for those who are for for firm owners or for accountants who are struggling with the concept of advisory and thinking advisory means um you know bookkeeping and payroll and and all these kinds of accounting services but also looking to figure out a, a way to cash in on the silver tsunami right the you know the, the this generational shift that we're about to see with a lot of businesses that are going to going to come up for sale I think this is a really interesting way to offer this productized advisory service, right? We will, we will help you position and package your business so that it will sell for more. I, I, I love, I love this concept. Okay. So Aaron, let's say that you sell the business, business owner says, yeah, let's do it. I want to package this up. Gives you access to the financials. You look at the financials and they're an absolute hot mess. Then what do you do? And then how does that how does that work? There's a, a separate a separate fee or a separate opportunity to to clean up and do their books. Um, you know, as we were sitting here talking about it, I, you know, we had talked about it briefly about you know being in the catbird seat. If you're the one that's got your hands on all this stuff to help package it up, and again, we're only as good as the data they provide. So we're we're somewhat hamstrung there. If it's just a hot mess, dumpster fire. Sometimes you got to tell them no, and and you know, good luck. But I, I think that for folks that are that are serious, that's why. And I'd probably steer away from um, from franchising. They probably have their own thing. When you're looking through biz by sell, you're looking away. You know, you're trying to filter. You're trying to find those real sellers, and you're trying to find somebody that might not be. And, and brokers are also going to probably say, "Hey, that's my job, right?" And it's like, well, no kidding, you know. And so you, you should do that. But there's going to be a ton of for sale by owners that are going to be real sellers and it might not be, maybe they're on windows desktop or they've got, you know, they've got some, some system, some arcane system that you're not quite familiar with. But I think that there's a, if you look through the lens of, and maybe watch a video on like, how do you, how do you do analysis to buy a business? So you'll be looking through the lens of the potential acquirer. And saying, okay, what's important here? How much money they make, of course. How much profit? Yeah, for sure. But what are these other things that are sort of supporting information that are going to help me value this business and, and give it a score? Yes, that's a good one. Or no, it's not. What goes into that? And then put that in a report. That's going to be so valuable for that business owner as they're, you know, when she's getting ready to retire off to the Bahamas and she wants to make sure she's getting top dollar. It doesn't need to be, you're not evaluator necessarily. You're giving them a range so that they can then make their decision. And of course, everybody wants to go for the top, but if we're being realistic, you know, as, as rates increase, it might compress value. And so it, conveying that to the owner, you're just, you know, and we're only as good as the data we've got. If we can give that to them in a format that is easily consumable, it's got some raw data. It's got some narrative that tells the story. Maybe it's got some video that can give a little bit of personality and vibe. Maybe there are some graphs that say, okay, I, we represent this much of the, of, of the market. We've got this much market share or this much market share is still available and an opportunity, but that's visual. There's a variety of ways that I'm sort of able to consume, convey and consume that data. That's going to only increase the value of that business. And I, I think it's just a... It's a huge opportunity for folks in our profession, CPAs and bookkeepers. I think there's a huge opportunity here to help, not necessarily to be an appraiser, but to help package some of this stuff up. We're so good, I feel like, at taking the scattered, disorganized information over here and packaging it up to do bookkeeping and accounting. The same thing can be applied to this sort of package to sell a business. So I'm, I've been certified this for a long time. This, the way that you're framing this doesn't necessarily need those skills or that certification. And I especially love the sensitivity analysis because you can basically go any industry, you can go figure out what the multiples are, whether it's a multiple of revenue, whether it's a multiple of EBITDA or whatever, figure out the range, put together that sensitivity analysis, do a quick and dirty, 
and then up 10%, down 10% on whether it's revenue or EBITDA or whatever, put that in the sensitivity analysis and there you go. And bookkeepers can do that. CPAs can do that. Accountants can do that. Everybody can do that. Everybody's totally capable. And this, it's a great, it's a great model for productized service. And, and, and so a lot of this data is already there on biz by sell. It, it has a lot of sold listings. You go to the sold, it's like, Hey, look, these other companies sold at a three X you're, you're trying to get a 10 X. There might be some misalignment there. I just want to let you know what the market is. I'd love to put together a more comprehensive package. It's going to be hard for them to say no. They want to know it's just going to, that it's going to be okay at the end of the day. If you think yours is a 10 X, why is it because this garbage company is actually sitting on land that can be developed as condos? That would be great information to include, right? Instead of just putting 10 X or this sort of thing, you know? Aaron, this has been uh, a fantastic episode and uh, really appreciate you being on the show. That right there um, is probably one of the most interesting ideas I've, I've heard in, in quite a while on a, on a new productized service that, you know, whether you're a bookkeeper, whether you're a tax focused, uh, you know, person. And, and But, you know, I think it comes from the fact that you're looking at this as a business owner and not an accountant. And, and I think that's that's that to me is the big takeaway. Uh, you know, from this episode that if you if you look at the work that you're doing as an accountant, as an accounting firm, from the perspective of the business owner, if you take off that accountant hat for a few minutes and put on the business owner hat, you can start to have all kinds of ideas and see gaps in the market that have been there for a long time and that are frustrating the heck out of your customers. Right. And and real good opportunities to, to serve them better. Aaron, thanks again so much for being uh, on the show. Really appreciated having you. Thank Thanks you. so much, Aaron. Thank you so much. Any questions, uh, feel free to, at Business Frame on Twitter is, is the firm's address. Uh, I'm Aaron Davis and can be found online. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, I, I really appreciate all the work that you guys do to help provide for the industry. And um, and it's 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 really great. And I'm, I'm grateful you guys for, for having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Thanks. Hey. You got it. Take good care. Hey, it's Jeremy. Thanks for listening to the CPA Advisory Show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Leave a rating and write us a review. We'll probably read your review on the air too. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at CPA Advisory Show. If you have a topic or guest you'd like to hear on the show, let us know by emailing host at CPA Advisory Show.com. Thanks again. 